Um, I think it, pre it presents itself like, um, as like just giving kids an outlet to even experience these art forms. Because I know without ZYEP, I would have probably never touched embroidery or gave it a second thought. Hello and welcome to Grand Canyon Speaks. My name is Ranger Jonah. And I'm Ranger Melissa. So Melissa, could you tell us a little bit about this episode? Yeah, in this interview we hear from two Zuni Youth Enrichment Program alumni, Chastity Simplicio and Lachey Harris. Yeah, and this is actually the first of two episodes we have with alumni from the Zuni Youth Enrichment Program. Yeah, what's really cool about this episode is that we're hearing from the voices of youth that come from our tribal communities. They're only 18 and 24, if you can believe it. Our coworker Dan had the pleasure of interviewing with them. Well, it sounds very exciting. So, mm -hmm. without further ado, Chastity and Lachey. interesting uh, interviews that we've, we've had here, uh, not because the, the people aren't interesting or uh, um, this is a terrible way to enter. <laughs> You're going to have to do some editing. Yeah. <laughs> start over. No, we're starting over. I'm giving space on this. We can actually get this going. Uh, well, thank you for, for coming out to Grand Canyon and being part of the cultural demonstration program here. Um, it's, a, it's a great honor to have ZYEP, Zuni Youth Enrichment Program, out here and having you two as one of the, as some of the representatives for the program, and especially as your first time here as cultural demonstrators at, uh, at Grand Canyon. Um, so I'd love to, to have you both introduce yourself and yeah, thank you, our, our three beginning audience members here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so I'd love for you to, to introduce yourself, uh, where you're from, uh, how old you are, and what is your, your discipline here that, that you, you are specializing in as a cultural demonstrator? Um. Okay, I'll go first. Okay. Um, my name is Lachey Harris. I'm 24 years old um, from the Pueblo Zuni, and my um, discipline here is Pueblo embroidery or traditional embroidery. Cool. Thank you. Okay. Um, Chastity Simplicio. I'm 19 years old, and I'm also from the Zuni Pueblo, and my discipline here is Pueblo weaving. So awesome, we've got embroidery and also uh, and weaving. So two things that, that really complement each other very, very well. There's similarities and differences to, to these uh, different art forms, which is, which is awesome. Um, what about the medium that you practice of embroidery and weaving drew you into uh, pursuing this? And it's only been about a year or so for, for both of you to, for, for your art form. So what drew you into uh, starting down this path of embroidery and, and weaving? Um, well, for me, I was looking for something that was other than, like some kind of art form other than drawing or painting. Um, I just felt like I hit kind of an artist block for a long time where I felt like I couldn't create anything. Um, I just didn't know what to create or, you know, what to draw or anything. So um, when I seen the opportunity to have the embroidery apprenticeship, um, 
I applied and, you know, hoping that I would get in and I was selected uh, for the Emerging Artist Apprenticeship. Um, and I like that it kind of got me out of this sort of rut that I was in because it's like very methodical um, with the planning um, and mapping out your design. Um, and it's like you follow a kind of method. So I kind of like that it, you can still be creative with it, but it's not so much pressure, you know, to draw something new or, you know, mm -hmm. paint something new. It's just kind of, um, the designs are there and it's just replicating the designs and creating your own cool. project. Awesome. Okay, so for me, at first I kind of wanted to like help out my family in some way or like excel at some sort of art form. I tried painting and drawing, but it never really was like as good as I would want it to be. Mm -hmm. um, so then I joined the class in my sophomore my sophomore year of high school uh, for, for weaving. And I learned some things here and there. I was able to excel to a certain point. Mm -hmm. But once I saw the apprenticeship for uh, Pueblo weaving, I was like, I really got to get in there. Maybe I can learn something new, especially since one of my friends had taken the uh, previous apprenticeship before he took two. And he learned a lot of like the historical background of it. And it got me wondering, like, what would the historical background of weaving be? So I decided, oh, I'll just give it a shot. So I applied, and when I got the call that I was accepted, I was so excited. And after learning all the things that I've learned down from the symbolism of the designs and everything, it felt like I just excelled at a like an abnormal rate, I guess, because I've. As soon as I learned what the designs meant, it was like the designs just kept popping up in my head one right after another. Mm -hmm. And I guess I really got to thank the teachers that were there. That helped. They helped a lot. So a great influence from the, the teachers uh, for, for both of you have, have helped out with excelling in, in, your, in your artistic form? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, and this is, uh, it's a very, it's a traditional art form, right? Yes. Yeah. This is, this, these are art forms that have been around for, for hundreds of years, right? Yeah. This yes. Is, this is like specifically Zuni too, right? Or like the styles? Um, that Pueblo have. style. Yeah. So Pueblo yeah, styles. I think a lot of the Pueblos share different elements. Um, mm -hmm. um, and we kind of, uh, I guess, adopt one another's styles, especially over history. Um, and throughout time, we've adopted various ways of dressing and um, different styles of um, clothing from other pueblos, as well as like pottery designs too, okay. um, even jewelry styles. Um, so it's a lot of sharing going on within the pueblos. But mm -hmm. yeah, um, but what is uniquely Zuni is the language. Um, yeah. We're the only we're an isolate tribe and isolate language. So we, only Zuni speak the Zuni language. Okay, very yeah. cool. I've I've noticed over the years there are some similarities, some to like Hopi yeah. a little yeah. bit, but there isn't that full crossover like you say. There's uh, Zuni is its own specific language. Yeah. Uh, which is which is very interesting. It's like it's it's your own area. It's your own thing. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but then branching out from there, you the, this textile work is like you say there's similarities to different Pueblo um, areas a, across the, the Southwest and um, what what is like a big influence as Zuni in some of these, the work that you do? Um, so like, I know we have 
a bit of uh, an embroidery here. And this is from Elroy. Yes. Um, yeah. And you've got some belts that you have made um, yeah. over there. And so what about your pieces kind of sticks out as more Zuni than potentially other Pueblos? Um, I think maybe the way that we interpret our designs and what we consider them to, like all the colors have meaning, um, the different shapes and styles have meaning, and I'm not too sure if they you know, translate to other Pueblos or if they're the exact same or not. I know that there are some similarities in the shapes and styles, but I'm pretty sure they have different ways of taking those, um, those designs and um, um, patterns into you know, different ideas. Mm -hmm. And I guess the same would kind of translate over into weaving as well. Um, the one that I have right here, this is not one that I made. Mm -hmm. It was purchased from Akima uh, by Elroy, and it's made from wool. But you can still see like the different kinds of symbolisms in there. So the ones that I made, they're like rolling clouds. And I guess you would say this one is like, like fraying clouds, like, mm -hmm. you know, how the ones that kind of streak into the sky, mm -hmm. kind of like that, I think. Yeah. A lot of that kind of translates into uh, all different types of pueblos. I'm not sure if they have other meanings too, mm -hmm. but I'm I'm pretty positive that other pueblos are able to add in some things that we are unable to add, such as animals. Okay. We're not able to, um, I guess, put in animals in our sash belts because when the dancer wears the sash belts. Whatever is on the sash belt is what they pray for. Mm -hmm. So if, like, let's say there's a frog on the sash belt, instead of rain coming, frogs are going to come. And I guess that the reason why also, from what I was told was Hopis, they put animals on there, such as like bears and stuff, in order to, um, I guess, get more game throughout mm -hmm. the year. But I do know there is several differences between Pueblo belts and Navajo belts. Mm -hmm. There are several differences, such as um, the most. The one thing that you want to that you will notice is how long their fringes are. Their fringes are very long, as from Pueblo belts, they're really short. Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. There, like you're saying, there's a lot of symbolism involved with both of your work. Um, and also within Zuni culture. Um, what about this art form for both of you makes it worth it for both of you to, to pursue this, this path of embroidery and weaving? Um, for me, I think it's the idea that these pieces are gonna be around for a very long time. Um, they're not just like a wear it a couple times and then you're never gonna touch it again. Um, a lot of the times like kilts and traditional um, clothes are handed down between families and generations. Mm -hmm. um, so it really makes me happy to know that these will be around for the long term. Um, and you know, who knows, you know, um, there's so many like traditional textiles and stuff that are like held in museums and stuff. And I bet the creators, when they were making it, weren't ever expecting them to be held up in museums or to be around for as long as they've been around. Um, and so I guess that's my hope, you know, to create pieces that are here to stay longer than me. Cool. Definitely. Yeah, I would have to agree with what Lache said. Um, like a lot of the stuff that um, we make, it gets handed down or as somebody passes on, they do take it with them. Mm -hmm. um, and I really do hope that, like her, 
I really do hope one day my pieces will stay around for like longer than I am, mm -hmm. or like I will. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I guess for me, it also kind of really, it's just, there's something about it when you like work on your pieces. Mm -hmm. There's just something about it. It's like, it's like with weaving, it's like you're creating life. Um, a lot of it has to do, it's, well, at, in the beginning, it was only males that created uh, sash belts because of the, um, their inability to create life, unlike women. Um, it wasn't until uh, Western immigrants came over <laughs> um, that they taught women how to do um, other types of things like crocheting and all of that. It, I believe it wasn't until then that females were able to create sash belts. And in other words, your artwork is technically like your child. Okay. So you kind of like want to talk to it and treat it like it is a living, living being because mm -hmm. that is how we see our things being made. Yeah, it's a, it's a creation in and of itself and you get to watch the piece grow yeah. as, as you're making it and then it goes to someone in your family, someone at Zuni, and you can then watch it have its own life in, in that form um, with everyone, which is a really beautiful way to look at it. Mm -hmm. It does have its own life. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and that piece, like you say, can potentially outlive yourselves. And we all create stuff like that that we can be remembered by and, and live on through as well. Um, so that's, uh, that's beautiful. And so it's like that, that feeling that you're getting from it, like a little bit of joy, some happiness, and maybe just like a feeling that almost maybe can't be described yeah, when, yeah. when you get that piece ready and like, and are working on it. Yeah. yeah. And they definitely teach us to work um, when you're in high spirits and, you know, to put your best into the work. Um, mm -hmm. Because they say like it kind of draws in the energy that you have while you're creating it or while you're creating that piece. So you want to, you know, be happy and not get so frustrated. Um, and they say like, you know, your work will kind of reflect your mindset and your pieces just won't work out if you're not in a good mental state and you're trying to create stuff, so. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Like even with like embroidering, um, like how we are talking about the pieces living on beyond you, um, I was taught not to really get like my sweat or like, you know, my DNA in, into like into the piece itself because mm -hmm. it's like taking part of your part of your soul, your spirit with it kind of okay. in a sense. And I was taught that um, when you pass on, you could potentially be haunting through your work because <laughs> okay. it's got some of you tied into <laughs> yeah, it. So you, you have to. The, yeah, you really have to yeah. be careful with your pieces. And okay. there's a lot that goes into it that you don't even think about until you start really thinking about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and I think this the same kind of also goes with weaving, and I believe with also with embroidery, it also teaches you a lot of patience. Okay. You gotta learn to be patient with your work because, you know, everybody's first time making a piece isn't going to be perfect, mm -hmm. and you just can't get frustrated, and it just teaches you a lot of patience because you'll make mistakes, you'll make uh, like these. I don't know. It, it'll make you feel a little uncomfortable with how um, unforgiving weaving and embroidery can be. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried embroidery, and I can say it's not my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. I can do weaving, but I tried embroidery, and I was like, no, I'm not, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> they're, they're similar, but yet so different in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where I know, I, we were talking earlier today, Lachey, about where a piece begins, and like if you're off by one square, which is a count yeah. on your piece, and then say you get like five inches away and then realize that five inches backwards is where you went wrong. Yeah, and you, you have, have to, to back undo it. out everything. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's gotta be a little frustrating. Yeah, it can be. Um, and it definitely plays tricks on your eyes too when you're just staring at the same piece of cloth for quite a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the counting. Um, it, it's it's tricky. Uh, for those who don't know, so um, you there's tiny squares on here, and you have to count kind of like cross stitch. Um, and with huge pieces, it's just, you're like counting the thousands, <laughs> thousands of squares. <laughs> Both of you, you're new with your art form, yes. and you've had an influence through ZYEP, which is the the Zuni Youth Enrichment Program. Can you talk a little bit about what the that program is and, and the goals that are associated with it? Yeah, um, so ZYEP started in 2009, um, and from my knowledge, it started out as just a simple camp for like 10 youth, because um, that's all they have funding for. Um, and it was just a summer camp to keep youth busy. Um, and it's since grown. They celebrated their 15 year anniversary this year, and they now can serve over 200 youth in the summer for the summer camp alone, which, uh, which gets um, filled up on the first day applications open up. It's in such high demand. Um, they have a waiting list all summer of kids just wanting to get in. Um, but they've also started to encompass other ways of um, enriching youth's lives in Zuni by the, um, through the art department, and there's a food and nutrition department. Um, and they push for a lot of cultural activities as well as decolonizing your diet and kind of reviving ancient um, recipes or utilizing, you know, old recipes to create new modern ones, Um, which is really cool because then, like, youth get a chance to um, not only experience food that was eaten a long time ago, but they also get to try it in new ways, and um, they come up with crazy, crazy menus all the time and it's so delicious um, all their food and the art department um, they have they started these uh, apprenticeships where um, youth apply for there was a painting pottery embroidery weaving and um, I think a digital arts as well and a digital arts. yeah the digital arts so they got to teach youth how to draw on iPads and create their own like market themselves as digital artists Um, yeah, so they, they're teaching a lot of stuff to the youth um, and really bringing um, all the outside opportunities that us res kids didn't have before they're really giving it to the youth. They even have sports um, camps and stuff too now with like oh, yeah. football and soccer and t-ball. So they're, they're covering the whole nine yards when it comes to um, things for kids to do on the res. So it's really nice. It's a good program. Yeah. Um, I know they did have like t-ball and stuff back when I was a kid, but I believe it stopped after a while, but I do know that they did recently bring it back. And I saw the Facebook page, and just seeing all the little kids having fun, it's just, it's just, so, just so cute. <laughs> I'm seeing them walking around laughing, it's just adorable. Yeah, it, it's a, 
it's a very enriching program. It is. Yeah. They, they bring a lot to the community and they have a lot of outings um, where they just invite the community into the park to just do things as family. And yeah. I think it's what the community really needs, you know, to come together and to spend quality time together. And they really push for like no sugary drinks and eating right and stuff, which is yeah. also very influential on youth. Um, and just kind of showing them that they can, you know, get hydrated in other ways that aren't like soda and Gatorade. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a hard one to, a hard habit to quit. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it, it's great. And uh, so both of you went through apprenticeships, right? Yeah. How, how long are your apprenticeships and do you, is it under one artist in the community or are there multiple mentors that you have in, in the apprenticeship? Uh, the apprenticeship usually takes about eight weeks. Um, okay. And if Elroy and Candace know the art form, they most likely will teach it themselves. However, I do believe with pottery, they did have other teachers come in to okay. teach them the, I guess, the traditions and cultural meanings behind everything. Okay. So it would really depend on what art form it is mm -hmm. and if they're able to find a teacher for it. Okay. Yeah. They do utilize other um, artists that are a part of the um, arts co-op in Zuni, which is uh, this cooperative that was started with a bunch of artists who just kind of wanted a place to um, sell their artwork, you know, like, like a store, and then also just kind of like, um, I don't know, they, they started the, there's, there was two apprentice, I don't know if she went through the same two, but there was two apprentice programs that I went through. The first one was Emerging Artists, um, and it took um, about six to eight weeks, and it was from youth 12 to 24. Okay. Um, and then out of that, I was selected for the Advanced Artist Apprenticeship, which was six months, um, and then I was working one-on-one -on -one with Elroy to kind of get a little more in-depth with the embroidery and um, take on more challenging projects. So, okay. yeah, so altogether, I've only been working with him for about a year now. Okay. Yeah, I've only gone through the eight-week apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if the six-month one was chosen yet, but I've only ever gone through the eight-week apprenticeship, and that was the most informational eight weeks I've ever been in. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. I've learned a lot. New and ideas and new art forms and, yeah. and new influences. Yeah, it's, and it, it like gave me the push that I needed and like the courage to, I guess, excel more. Mm -hmm. It kind of gave me like, it was kind of like, you won't know how to do it and you can't grow unless you make your mistakes. And it's like, mm -hmm. it, like it like takes time and it takes mistakes in order for you to get as good as like other artists out there yeah yeah it's yeah. it's kind of hard to remember that like everyone had that beginning right yeah yeah because you see them at a different point in their career in their life um, but do you do you um, with I mean it sounds like ZYEP has has really grown from the original like 10 kids in 15 years ago to over 200 now that are active in the community and it just fills up right away like a Taylor Swift concert ticket. <laughs> um, so is it, are you seeing um, like a, a, a really good pass down of traditions in these art forms to the younger generations that are there? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, 
Um, what I really like about ZYEP, and this isn't like traditional art forms, but what I like about ZYEP is a lot of the youth who went through the camp or were like children participating in the sports camps often go back to work with ZYEP as camp counselors or um, to work as um, as staff with the with the at the. Um, at ZYEP. Mm -hmm. um, they work as staff there. And so I see a lot of people, you know, going back. But um, I think it, pre it presents itself like um, as like just giving kids an outlet to even experience these art forms. Because I know without ZYEP, I would have probably never touched embroidery or gave it a second thought um, just because it seemed so, um, it seemed, I guess out of reach or like I wouldn't be able to find somebody to sit down and teach me how to do something um, and it seemed like before um, a lot of the times only youth would get involved in an art form if it was either taught at school or if they had parents who you know who were doing that art and they passed it down to them so now it gives youth a chance who um, youth who don't have that kind of personal influence in life to seek it out uh, at ZYEP and to be able to get connected with other artists and find what they find their little niche, you know, and what they what they can pre present to the art community. Very cool. Yeah, I, I gotta agree with that too, because I've seen um, a lot of people that were in like my age, and I see some of them starting to work with ZYEP, and it's just really cool to see. Like, it, I think it opens up an opportunity for as like a job and stuff like it, it opens up that opportunity because in Zuni there's not much um, job openings that youth can take a part of mm -hmm. and I believe it's like kind of hard for some youth especially if after they graduate they don't like want to pursue college they kind of just want to get a job but they got to go like out of town to get that job and I really think ZYEP opened up that like opened up the curtains for them and invited them and like, hey, you can work here. You can like work here. You can mentor other younger generations and stuff like that. Cool. And it's just really cool to see like a lot of the staff being so young. Yeah. And I, it's, it's more inviting that way, I believe. Yeah, it's refreshing. It's, yeah. Okay. Like you see like at other stores, you see like a lot more older people rather than young. Mm -hmm. And ZYEP just has that refreshness, like freshness in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like it's creating a, a, a generation of, of artists and individuals who can relate maybe to the, to the kids in the program and, uh, and help guide them along on those right paths especially for the sugary drinks and, <laughs> and, and, the, and the diet there. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's a, it sounds like a, an amazing mentorship um, that's, that's available through, through the program um, and a very important one at that. Yeah. It's a really good program. <laughs> I just look back fondly at ZYEP and all the things that we've done through the organization and all the opportunities they were able to present the youth. And it's nice to see a lot of um, younger individuals now selling their artwork and marketing themselves as artists. Um, yeah. And it, um, it's really cool, because then there's just so much talent in the youth. Um, and to see, like, I'm just blown away at some of the things that these young kids create um, and how 
um, how they're able to market themselves and start building their name as artists while they're young. So that way then when they get older and start entering art shows and stuff, you know, they'll already have that credibility behind them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I guess I would say the same thing like she said. It, there really is a lot of talent in the community. Um, a lot of it is through drawing. And I believe kids kind of, like the younger youth, kind of only see like, oh, I can only ever be, if I'm good at drawing, then I'll be a really good artist. Mm -hmm. And they don't really think about the other types of art forms that are out there. It's like, it's either I'm good at drawing or I'm not, because I was like that at one point. Mm -hmm. And then after finding like, a new art form and having ZYEP expand more on those art forms and different types of creations, it really opens the door to more artists. And it really is like nice seeing a younger generation starting to sell their stuff at art shows. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just really, really nice. And you, you've only been doing this for a little while. But I see a lot of talent in what you've both created. Um, so what are, what are your goals with your art forms? And what do you hope to see yourself doing with it in the, in the future? Um, I really want to find um, my specialty or like to find um, my signature thing in the art community. Um, I feel like all the well-established artists have their own style um, that is uniquely them. Um, even with the limits of like creating traditional art, there's just certain styles um, that these artists have. And I really want to find mine um, and to just um, be able to create things that, you know, when I see them or when other people see them, they'll be like, oh yeah, that's something that Shay created. That's mm -hmm. something, you know, that she made. And um, I'm, I had mentioned that I uh, was in a sewing apprenticeship, so I was learning how to sew traditional regalia as well. So I'm trying to find a way to merge the two and create my own pieces. So hopefully if I come back, <laughs> if I ever come back, I'll have some pieces that are uniquely mine. We'll, we'll bring you back. <laughs> we'll everyone back, yeah. Yeah. yeah for me, I kind of just want to provide something for my community. I grew up in a very religious household, and I feel like a lot of people don't have that. And especially with weavers, they're really hard to find. And when you do find a weaver, they're just backed up on orders. They're just like one right after another. They have orders that they have to fulfill. And knowing that I and the um, other people that took their apprenticeship with me, mm -hmm. just knowing that we can like take at least a small load off their back while also they're still being business for them. Mm -hmm. It just, I guess it just, I just want to lend a helping hand. And again, like Shay said, I want to create something that's uniquely mine. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure how I would do that, uh, especially with weaving since it's a little restrictive on what I can put on there and like how thick your belt can be. Mm -hmm. But I do believe I can find something. I also kind of want to learn the signatures of all other weavers. Mm -hmm. If you take a look at my purple belts, you can see three dots. And that's my signature, so if you see one like that, like, oh, Chesley made that. 
So that, that's, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we will, we will gladly help <laughs> along this, this journey for you. And this is your first time here at Grand Canyon being demonstrators. And I, I definitely see it not being the last uh, at all. Okay. Uh, and yeah, ZYEP, everyone is welcome to, to come back and, and partake in, in this program. Um, and I want to kind of close it, close it out here with, uh, with kind of a takeaway message. So what would you have the, the visitors here at Grand Canyon take away about your art, about Zuni, or about the program? What would, what would a takeaway message for folks be? Um, my takeaway message is, um, well, I want to give thanks to ZYEP for all the opportunities um, that they've presented over the years, not just this year. Um, and to thank my instructors as well, because it's a lot of time and energy that they put into all of these events um, and the pro projects that they start up. But uh, ZYEP is overall a very great program that has a lot of has had a lot of influence on my life and as well as other youth in the community. Um, and I am um, just barely starting my embroidery craft. Um, it's been a year long journey, um, but it's been great. I'm still trying to work up the courage to take on bigger pieces um, because it can embroidery test your patience um, all the time. Uh, but it's it's fun and it's um, it's a good way to stay connected to your community or to Zuni community and just knowing that my pieces will be around for a while um, makes me feel good about creating them and not really like creating them for like monetary gain but as Chastity said you know more to help the community because these pieces are very rare and hard to come by especially authentic um, hand embroidered pieces mm -hmm. um, they can be rep created with much simpler faster ways but when people find you know actual hand embroidered ones they are cherished a lot more so mm -hmm. um, definitely working to create bigger better pieces and to improve my embroidery skills yeah, so. yeah um Again, like cliche, I would want to thank ZYEP and our teachers. They did put a lot of time into making sure that these apprenticeships were, um, to, like, to make sure that they were set in stone on like how the apprenticeship was going to go, um, what week things were going to be doing, and stuff like that. And it really does take a lot of time, as well as going through all those applications since only select few get chosen. Um, I really am thankful that they did help me improve my craft. Um, and it did give me a really big appreciation for art and, and just how long it takes for embroidery and weaving to be done. And it's just a whole new appreciation for a lot of things. And it's like so many, and I can't name off all, all at once. Mm -hmm. It's it's really amazing just to see like what a group of people can do, and like how much they can provide to their community, all because they care. Yeah, that's a very special thing. Yeah, yeah. And I see a lot of care in both of you for your community, and it's ex expressed through your craft as well, um, not just in your voice. 
So uh, it's a great pleasure having both of you out here at Grand Canyon ever since um, we coordinated with ZYEP. Uh, we were, everyone in the office has been excited to have all of you out here uh, and participate at the Canyon. We've been looking forward to this for like two months. So. <laughs> it's been great. And so again, thank you very much uh, for being here, uh, Lachey and Chastity for, for coming out to Grand Canyon. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Nice. Thank you. Would you care to take a couple questions and pose? Sure. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, first question: Do I have a limit on how many questions? Oh. My. <laughs> no, There's no infinity symbol. Uh. <laughs> uh, well, my first question is for um, Lachey. Yes. Um, so you mentioned that the embroidery has a meaning for for different colors, and I love yeah. the green in that piece. Um, what does that green represent? Um, so the, this piece was created by my instructor. Um, I'm not nearly as skilled yet, um, and I have not worked up the courage to take on such a big prog project because I've seen him work on it um, from start to end over the year that I worked with him. Um, but uh, the green would be representative of like uh, vegetation and growth, and then the black kind of represents like um, like clouds and like the, the dark storm clouds. And I was taught that. Um, the patterns and the symbols are all in active prayer while you're creating it. So it's like praying for rain and growth of your crops and vegetation. Um, and then the designs, these would be like rain clouds. And this is actually a rainbow, um, the stripes in between. So yeah, there's different meaning between it. Um, I believe this is a sun thing or the butterfly. Yeah, it's like a sunrise or like a, it can be seen in different ways. It's either a sunflower or a sunrise, or it's a pretty much a sunrise during a training time. That long part is the rainbow part, and it's just to signify, like, don't rain so much to where it floods, like, to a dangerous spot. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an active prayer um, when you're creating, um, and there's uh, quite a bit that goes into um into the creation process. Um, and as I mentioned before, it's a lot of counting. <laughs> as with, we, uh, with weaving, it's a lot of counting. Um, my next question is for Chastity. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that the, the, the fringe is shorter in Pueblo sashes than in Navajo. Is there a reason for that, or is it just that's how it is? Uh, usually, um, Navajos will have their fringes a lot longer. Um, I guess mainly it's like a, I would think of the core reason. I'm not too sure on the reason why. And I believe it also kind of comes with, oh, it comes with money. Uh, like the more wool that you have, the more money that you'll bring in and stuff like that. That's why the fringes are very, very long. Okay. Um, as with Pueblo belts, it's really not the case. It's more, I guess it's like a tie okay. thing. Thank you guys so much. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Anybody Any else? Questions? Well, um, I know we probably want to beat this storm that might be rolling in here um, before, yeah, before we get completely soaked here. So thank you once again for for coming and partaking in our Grand Canyon Speaks program. Yes. And we will see you tomorrow. Yeah.
Speaks is a program hosted by Grand Canyon National Park and the Grand Canyon Conservancy. A special thanks to Aaron White for the theme music. This recording reflects the personal lived experiences of tribal members and do not encompass the views of their tribal nation or that of the national park. To learn more about Grand Canyon First Voices, visit www.nps.gov grca. Here at Grand Canyon National Park, we are on the ancestral homelands of the 11 associated tribes of the Grand Canyon. These being the Havasupai tribe, the Wallapai tribe, the Navajo Nation, the Hopi tribe, the Pueblo of Zuni, the Yavapai Apache Nation, the Kaibeb Band of Paiute Indians, the Las Vegas Paiute Tribe, the Moapa Band of Paiutes, the Paiute Indian Tribe of Utah, and the San Juan Southern Paiute Tribe. Mm-hmm.